Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Have your Bibles today. Uh, find the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the New Testament. And we'll be in chapter 2 today talking about a new kind of old church. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I love being a part of a fun church. I love being part of a church where there's a spirit here. I've been doing church work for about 27 years, and I've never experienced anything like what's happening here at Sugar Hill Church. And it's just good to see. It's fun. It really is. It's just, it's great to see people who love being part of, of a church that's doing so many wonderful things. Ladies, I can't tell you enough how much you want to make sure that you sign up and get your ticket for Simply Christmas. It's Thursday night, December 11, and uh, the food is going to be unbelievable. We have one of, the, one of America's finest speakers for ladies, Allison Allen, who's flying in from Nashville to speak to us that night. There's only room for 320 ladies, so I encourage you to get your tickets bought in a hurry. If you're wondering, hey, Chuck, is this like the Christmas things we've done for ladies in the past where I've got to decorate a table? No. All you've got to do is show up right? Buy the ticket, show up. That's all you got to do and have a great time. You can go to the table right after the service. You can go online and do that, but don't miss that. And guys, I'll see you tonight at 530. But it really is good to be a part of a great church. In Acts chapter 2, we read the story of what the original church looked like. When Jesus left his apostles and they were starting the church, we get a picture of what the first church looked like. And today, what our job is and what our role is in the service is to give this comparison and look at how does that church compare to this church and how does this church compare to that church. Now, it's important to grasp before we get into the details of this text to grasp this one teaching, which is really very practical. And that is one of the things that we learn from the Bible about the church is that the church is not something you go to. Now, we say that in our American vernacular. What are you doing on Sunday? I, I'm going to church, right? But we don't really go to church. We are the church. The church is not a building. It's not a budget. The, the church is not the pastor or the worship team. The church is not projectors versus hymnals. It's not hymns versus praise choruses. It's not Sunday school versus groups. That's not the church. The church is you and me. And the way we know the church and the way the community knows our church and the way the world knows the church is how the world knows us. And how the world knows us is how they see the church. I mean, Scripture says that the world will know us by how we love one another. And so the question would be, how does this world know us? Do they know us in love or not? Do they know us as a church that has always in a problem, always in a fight, always in a predicament, or do they see a church like Sugar Hill Church and say, wow, I'd like to be a part of something like that. Look what's going on there. I mean, this is a pretty amazing place. You know, Billy Graham, in the height of the Cold War, went to uh, Russia to speak with their leaders. And when he got done, man, he caught a lot of flack from the American religious society. And in the media, one guy called him out and said, Billy Graham just set the church back 50 years. And so in, a, in an interview, somebody asked Billy Graham, said, Dr. Graham, what do you have to say to the person who said, you just set the church back 50 years because you didn't attack social problems. All you did was preach Jesus. And he said, I am so disappointed. He said, I've been working so hard to set the church back, not 50 years, but 2,000 years. And at Sugar Hill Church, let me say to you, our job's not to be hip, cool, or relevant. Because if you have to try to be any of those three, you're not. What we want to be a church that says we got Jesus right, and that's what matters. 
So when people ask me, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? We say, man, we're a church who believes the Bible's a big deal. That God wrote it from Genesis to maps to give us a roadmap and a direction in life. And because we believe that, we know Jesus is the biggest deal. And if we believe both those things... Sam, are you, are you playing with me? All right. So if we believe that, then we're going to go act like it and serve people here and around the world, right? And so that's what Sugar Hill Church is all about. But how does that stack up against the first church? If you're in Acts chapter 2, look with me in verse 42. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and here's what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which, by the way, was what Jesus taught them. If you remember what Jesus said right before he left and went back to heaven, Jesus said, go, literally meaning as you're going, make disciples, which is tell people about him so that they can come to know Christ. Then he said, baptize them, just and like we do almost every single week, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you notice what I did with Spencer, I baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, our Creator, Son, Savior, Holy Spirit, Keeper, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, a picture of Jesus dying for us, raised to walk in newness of life, a picture of Jesus raising from the grave for us, so that what? We might have life in abundance with Him and eternally in heaven forever. Are you, if you're with me, nod your head. You with me so far? All right, so we see here, they devoted themselves to that teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now listen to this. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. Did you know just yesterday, two students in our student ministry, one prayed with Anissa Lottie, a young lady, one prayed with Trip Atkinson, a young man. Two people yesterday said yes to Jesus and became a part of this church and a part of the body of Christ. You know why? Because the last two, Tuesday, two, last two Wednesday nights, our students came together and invited friends, and more than two dozen first-time students walked onto this campus and heard about Jesus. And now more than eight of those have already given their life to Christ. You see, that's what happens when we keep the main thing the main thing. Now you'd say, well, Chuck, I've got to tell you, Sugar Hill Church is not a perfect church. Okay, the theological answer to that is, duh, right? I mean, we, of course we're not perfect. I mean, if we were the perfect church, people would join it and mess it up, right? I mean, let's face it, you've got the most flawed pastor on the planet, right? I mean, listen, I no more deserve to be able to do this than the man on the moon. I mean, I'm as messed up as any human I know. And yet, look at what God's doing. Further proof, it has nothing to do with this cat. It is about being God-focused. And so what we see here in Scripture are several things. We ought to take a, a close look at how we're related to God, how we're related to His church, how we're related to one another, and how we're related to the world. And when we look at that, we can see a beautiful picture of how the church and all of its perfections can be a community like no other community, how we can be a place like no other place and be a people like no other people. But it's all on us. We get to make that choice. We get to choose whether we're going to be a part of that kind of community. And so if you look with me, this is what happened in that church. First, the church served within. The church cared 
for one another. It was a community that said, this matters. After being baptized, these 3,000 new followers of Jesus immediately began devoting themselves to one another. That's what the scripture says. The gospel and the power of Jesus radically transformed how they viewed their possessions, their time, and even their identity. They were new people with a new devotion and a new community of faith and family. Their compassion, their humility, their joy, their mercy could only be attributed to one thing, the power of God serving and working in their life, the Spirit of God doing a great work in their life, working through the message of the resurrected Jesus, literally saying, when I came and became a Christian, he called me into a community to make a difference. Some of you have been visiting Sugar Hill Church for eight months, ten months, a year. Listen, if you don't know who we are by now, you're never going to know who we are. Just grab that tab, sign up for that, for that membership class, and let's get going we got a lot of stuff to do around here. I mean, do you realize 250-plus people will join this church this year? Over 100 of those will be baptized for the first time. Now, think about that. 250 people. You say, well, Chuck, how many people are going out the back door? So far this year, 13. We're on a pretty good ratio around here. All right, now listen to me, church. Let's don't miss this. God's doing something here. Don't miss it. I mean, I've never seen anything like what happens here. Did you know this week, 300 churches will close their doors for the last time in America? Every week, 300 churches will close their door in America. Every week. Do you know that 99% of the churches in America are declining in attendance rapidly? Did you know that only 1% of the churches in America are growing? And, and this church, little old Sugar Hill Church, is in the top one half of 1% of churches in America in growing and baptizing people and people attending their worship service. That blows my mind. But listen to me. It's not because we're hip, we're cool, we wear jeans at church. It's simply because people are acting like people of God. It's when we go act like Jesus that he does a great work. I think he's speaking to us right now. Oh, it's back. All right, they're going to bring... It really does make me feel like Jimmy Swagger. <laughs> Hi, Hector. Yeah, thank you, Wire. Yeah. All right, let's try this again. So, so we want to see what it is to serve within. I mean, this is what the church did. They served one another. Did you know just a couple of weeks ago we had three or four young couples in Life Our Church? It was so odd that in one week we had three or four couples have this radical challenge and change in their life that brought great tragedy into their hearts and in their home. Before me, before Bobby, before Hector, before Tripp, before any pastor could even get there, groups of people they're in Bible study with were already there, caring for them and loving on them and ministering to them, letting us know how to care because it was a community that said we want to be a part of something that's bigger and better than us. This healthy picture of unity and compassion, it flies in the face of everything we know of the individualism in the American life today where it's all about me. I mean, in between services, after hearing this sermon, we had a lady go up to the, to the lady selling the ticket at Simply Christmas and just bark that she was upset that she wasn't going to decorate a table. And I thought, oh, dear God, really, D didn't hear a word. You know, I just wonder how many times we see the church in that light, and yet 
what happens in the American church is we always want something from the church instead of remembering we are the church. We are the church. We're here to care for one another. Last week, I threw out 10 hats and said, we got some young families in desperate need. And I said, would, would just 10 of you come up and bring 100 bucks and buy a hat? And all of this money will go directly to help those families. By Monday evening, that had become 3,500 bucks. People trying to minister and care for people in need. That's what the church does. That's why the church is here. This week, we're, we're about ministering to people. There are people in this church today because somebody reached out and cared for them and loved on them and ministered to them. That's what the church looks like, a healthy picture of unity and compassion. But i got to tell you, when God saves us, when He calls us into a relationship with Him, this personal devotion to His community isn't an option. It's not like we have the choice to be, to be angry or upset because this is His church that we get to be a part of, and we're a reflection of Him. And people know the church by, by, by us. And so we are called to have this healthy inward perspective. Listen, I agree when people say the church exists for people that aren't even here yet. I agree with that, but not in total. We agree for people that aren't here yet, but we also, we also are here for people that are here to care for people and minister to people and love people and disciple people and grow up together and do life together and experience the power and the goodness of God together so that we might go out there and reach people that aren't here yet. But listen to me, a great church doesn't do one over the other. A great church does both simultaneously. We love and care for each other, and we go out there to share Christ with the world. That's what a great church does. I mean, God intended us to look to one another for encouragement in the gospel. Listen to what Colossians 3 verse 16 says. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. That's why we sing when people go, why do we sing? Why do our people sing so loud? Because Scripture tells us to. Well, why do we sing Jesus songs? Because that's what He called us to do. Why do we sing about the power of the cross and about the power of Christ? Because that's what He told us to do. The Bible says this is a big deal. That's why we sing. That's why often I'll stand over there and I get caught up in, in the worship and I'll just lean over and I'll say, Jen, listen, and we'll just stop singing and listen to y'all. And it just it's the most beautiful sound on the planet. To hear the people of God sing His praises and say, I'm all in. I believe this. But also not just the encouragement the gospel, but encouragement to endure. Don't you have those days where you just desperately need somebody to say, I'm in your corner. I'm pulling for you. Pat on the back. I'm here for you. Let's go. Let's do this. Man, if you've never had that day, you're not living. And that's what the church comes together to help us with the encouragement to endure. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. An encouragement in the gospel, an encouragement to endure, an encouragement to share. Galatians 6, 2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Literally saying, you want to be more like Jesus, help people in need. Go care for people. Every single day, people walk into this church, most of them members, saying, I don't know where else to turn. I need help. And this church is here for them every single day. Listen to me, friend. By the time somebody shows up at their own church and says, I don't know where else to go, they're in trouble. And this church is here for them and you.
because that's what we're called to be. I mean, we have got to consistently resist the me mentality in the body of Christ. So I guess we have to ask ourselves, what's our attitude toward church? Our church attendance, our, our giving, our small group activity, our service and missions and other kinds of involvement, are they important to us? And, and so, how can we be a blessing to somebody else in our faith family? Who can you think of that goes right in your mind? Man, I, I need to be an encouragement to them. I need to be a help to them. I need to be able to serve them. I need to be able to love them. And you say, well, you know what, Chuck? You don't know how busy I am. God didn't give us an out on busyness. As a matter of fact, part of the teaching of the New Testament would say, if we're so stinking busy that we don't have time to serve people in need, you're too stinking busy. And Jesus would say, wait a minute. When I look at that attitude, how can you be a blessing to those around you and your faith family? We're a church that needs to serve within. But secondly, that church and our church needs to be a church that remains God-focused. We need to be constantly focused on Jesus. People ask me all the time, Chuck, when are you going to preach on that social issue and this social issue? And when are you going to preach on this issue? Let me be clear. I don't have to. I preach on those issues every Sunday because I believe in all my heart, if you get Jesus right, you'll get everything else right. If the church gets Jesus right, we'll get everything else right. If our hearts get Jesus right, we'll get everything else right. And so at the end of the day, you say, well, what do we have to do to get Jesus right? We've got to be God-focused, Jesus-focused, and everything we do ought to be directed by the direction of God himself. And he gave us a word that says this is how you do it. This new community experienced God deeply, personally, powerfully. They devoted themselves to the teaching, the teaching that Jesus gave the apostles as he said, go, baptize them, and teach them all these things that I've taught you. And that's what we're to be about, right? They experienced awe and wonder at God's work around them from their history and with hope to their future. They, they were able to look, and it led to frequent worship and celebration. And finally, we learned from the rest of the book of Acts how much the church prayed and how much the church worshiped and how much the church celebrated God's power and His presence. And let me remind you, you are the church. We held up a mirror. We'd say, that's Sugar Hill Church. So the question is, where are we at in our worship? Where are we at in our surrender? Where are we at in our obedience? Where are we at in our encouragement? You say, well, Chuck, man, I, I, I want to be a part of something like that. Dude, I, I, how do I get in it? Guys, come to man church tonight. Meet some dudes. Normal dudes that just happen to love Jesus. I mean, normal dudes that, that love football and want to talk about how we just hate Alabama. And just, just come on. You know, I mean, just come on. Be a part of all the fun. I mean, we'll even feed you good. You meet some guys. Ladies, buy that ticket. Be a part of Simply Christmas. Come on. Be a part of something big. Don't, don't spend your time decorating a table. Come build purposeful, meaningful relationships to make a difference. You say, well, Chuck, I, I want to be a part of that. Listen, then this is that church. Sign up for that membership class. Let's go. Be a part of the family. Let's always guard and protect our posture toward God. If we aren't focused upwardly, we can move through an entire year of sermons and services and groups and service and never experience God. Peter makes this point talking about how when we become followers of Jesus, he says it's we're like newborn infants that long for the pure spiritual milk. My little granddaughter's about a month old. The other night, Jenny and I were over there. Man, I had that bottle in her mouth. Man, she was like shotgun in that bottle, man. I mean, she was all about it, right? She got done, and I took that bottle out, and I burped her a little bit. And, I mean, it wasn't like a minute. She is wailing. I mean, this kid's got some lungs, man. She was at it. 
And, and I looked at my daughter and said, let me, have, let me have another bottle. Jenny said, she's hungry, you know, and, and my daughter's like, your doctor didn't say you get a bottle, right? Man, I popped that bottle in and she's like, whoa, this is so good, right? Listen, Peter says to long for Jesus, not simply Bible study, not just attendance at church, but to long for the power and the presence of Jesus. He's, he's not saying, hey man, get deep in the Word. He's saying, crave Jesus the way an infant craves and needs milk. And in the very next text, in 1 Peter 2, he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I mean, Peter's stating the obvious. Listen, crave Jesus because the Lord is good. They had tasted Jesus, and Peter encourages them to keep on tasting Him. In Psalm 34, you know what we learned? You can't outget from God. It's not like you can OD on Jesus. It's not like he's, he's, he's too tired to take care of you. You know how you, you can have all the Jesus you want. It's all waiting for you. We just have to be focused on Him. So what is it that hinders our pursuit with God? What is it in your life that stands between you and this Jesus-centric, God-focused life? You say, well, Chuck, maybe it's time, or maybe it's, maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's money, or what, whatever obstacle we come up. I guess what I would encourage you to do is figure out what is that one thing you can work on this week and say, I'm going to solve that this week. This week, I, I want to be a part of that kind of church. Maybe we ought to mind the gap between where God would have us and where we are. Maybe we ought to mind that gap. Maybe we ought to figure out what is it that we need to do to get from where we are to where God wants us to be so that we remain a Jesus-centric church. Listen, Sugar Hill Church, this church ought to serve within. This church ought to be God-focused. But finally, this church ought to make sure we pursue serving others. We ought to desperately, passionately serve people outside these walls. We ought to be about that. Did you know five schools we pack backpacks for every Friday? Several hundred kids take food home to needy families every week because of what you do. This morning, there are churches and homes meeting in Cuba because of what you started. This morning, there are people worshiping the Lord. More than 300 people in the last year in the Kenya ministry that we support in Kenya are today worshiping Christ. In Haiti today, there are several thousand orphans who are eating because of you. We're attempting to feed 5,000 children at a gospel presentation in City Soleil in Haiti this Christmas. We ought to look outside. Jesus came and he said, listen, I want to make sure you get that the most important thing is loving God and loving others. And then on his last words, he said, as you're going, make disciples, baptize them, then teach them all those things. But to teach them all those things, you've got to make them. You've got you to find people and you've got to engage in relationship. But listen, at this church, we're not going to send you with a stack of tracks to leave instead of a tip. We're not going to ask you to bang on a door. We're not going to ask you to go beat somebody into heaven. We want this to be so natural in your DNA that you just get so much Jesus that you can't help but share it in your walk and your talk throughout your everyday life. Because it ought to be natural to us because we're out there to serve other. By the way, this new community not only moved toward God every day, they moved toward the world every day. They moved out there with a purpose. This teaching comes on the heels of Peter's sermon at Pentecost. 
and it precedes the story of the church's expansion all throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And also in verse 47 in Acts chapter 2, it says they had favor with everyone and that God added to their number daily. They grew because they served. Listen, you want to know why this church is growing? It's because you are out there serving people. And there's nothing more captivating than somebody that cares. Our neighbors live literally next door to us. Man, they, their family situation is funky. You know, it's just, it's just a little different. Some of y'all like that, aren't you? I mean, my family situation would be a little funky. And, and this, this little couple was engaged to get married and found out that she was expecting well before the wedding. And so the parents totally disowned them and blew them off. And, and Jenny had a broken heart for this little girl. And so she began to minister to this little girl and care for them. And on Halloween night, this little couple showed up at our door while we're sitting on the front porch doing trick-or-treating and walked next door with her to that family and saw restoration come to a home. Look right here, church. That's what the church looks like. Church isn't what happens in here on Sunday morning. It's not whether you raise your hands or clap. That's what the church looks like. In a messed up world, healing and hope and restoration, that's what the church looks like. This week, we helped two homeless families in our community. This senior year, we went to a local school where seniors, their families didn't have money, had enough money to do senior pictures. And our folks set up photo booths and took pictures for those, those kids so they could have something. That's what the church looks like. That's the kind of church we want to be pursuing, serving others. Jesus came to seek and to save. He said he, he saves us to send us out and engage people with the gospel, normal people loving Jesus. And they did this, and we're called to do this as we learn the art of hanging out and being normal with folks that happen to love Jesus. You say, well, Chuck, I listen, I, I'm, I, I'm not all about that sharing Jesus thing. I'm not all about that kind of deal. I'm kind of a private person. That's cool. You're going to eat 21 meals this week. Who are you going to have one with that just needs you to care for them, love on them, and encourage them? I mean, you got to eat sometime, right? Who, who is it that you're going to try to reach out to this way? You know what I would encourage you? I'd encourage you to look at this way. What if, as a church, remember, we're the church. What if we were to decide to do a few things? Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, what if we decided to be nice? I mean, you know, I have a master's degree in being a jerk. I mean, I, I really, I have earned... A, a doctorate in being a jerk. I am so good at it. What if we were to just be nice? And what if being nice meant I'm going to set aside my personal preferences and my personal orthodoxies long enough to let Jesus be seen in me? What if that were to be nice? I, we'd grow by 10% next year if we were just nice. What if not only being nice, what if we chose to be gracious? What if, we, what if we decide instead of proving that we know everything, there is to know about everything, and that we're right about everything, what if our attempt was to make things right in the name of Jesus instead of proving that we're right? What if we were just to be gracious? What if we were to be forgiving of somebody that's chosen to hurt our feelings or wound us? Or maybe they didn't even know it, but what if we were to choose to be in our heart to be forgiving to somebody this week? What if we chose to be helpful? There's a need that somewhere I can meet. I mean, some of you guys are saying, you know what, Chuck, I'm never going to share Jesus with anybody. I'm a private dude. Good, then go, go cut an old lady's grass. Go clean out a, a, a widow's gutters. Go help somebody in need with a bag of food. As a matter of fact, this box I've got right here, th this box of food, the North Gwinnett Co-op 
has 500 requests for these boxes. There's $30 worth of food and a $20 uh, gift card in there to buy meat for Thanksgiving. 500 families in our community have asked for help and qualified for help and in need of this. And we're just simply asking our church to do 200 of them. Let me just stop and say, I'm embarrassed by 200. This church ought to do all 500, and we ought to rise to the occasion and make it happen. And you say, well, Chuck, I can't do 30 bucks. Then do 20. I can't do 20 bucks. Do half a 20. And some of you can do 5 or 10 50s. But you know what? If anything is ever said about this church and community other than you're the church across the street from the car wash, Dear Lord, I want that car wash torn down so bad. <laughs> Let it be said, that's a church where people care for one another. That's a church that loves its community. That's a church that when they see somebody in need, they, they make a way. And they go get it done. I mean, is there somebody in your life that you need to do that with and be the church this week? In this season, for this day, in this moment, may we be that church. May we be those people that our world sees and is captivated by it. But we, me and you, we are the church. We choose every moment of every day. We are Sugar Hill Church. Let's be that church. Let's be those people. Father, thank you. I pray today that each of us would make this conscious decision to join the effort of what you're doing in our midst. We make a conscious decision, whether it's buying a box of food or a gift card, whether maybe it's coming to a group with the men tonight or, or coming and be a part of the women's ministry or maybe it's a part of serving our neighbor or caring for somebody across the street. Maybe it's part of helping feed kids in Haiti this Christmas or going on a mission trip. Maybe it's just literally walking next door and extending grace. God, speak that truth into our lives to what you want us to do, that we might look like the church and act like the church and react like the church. And we do that in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen.